Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Let's take a look at today's charts. At number one, BTC is at $29,820.10, down 6.52%. Ethereum at number two, $1,826.97, down 6.15%. Tether at number three, 99 cents. USD coin number four, $1. BNB number five, $302.71, down 6.26%. XRP at number six, 39 cents, down 6.44%. Cardano at number seven, 56 cents, down 7.86%. Binance USD, number eight, $1. Number nine, Solana at $39.96, down 12.84%. And Dogecoin at number 10, eight cents at 6.54% down. Let's take a look at today's charts. At, uh, let's take a look at the fear and greed index. Extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried. That could be a buying opportunity. And when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for correction. So we got today is extreme fear at 13. Yesterday was extreme fear at 17. Last week is extreme fear at 12. And last month was fear at 27. Let's take a look at uh, the five articles today. Article number one is bear market outlook public Bitcoin mining companies and their profitability. Article number two, Terra Collapse, regulators eye stablecoin safeguards and capital rules for banks' crypto holdings. Article number three, analyzing blocks, Bitcoin knowledge and perceptions, part one, income and inclusion. Article number four, father-son duo sentenced for laundering cash with Bitcoin in weed scheme. And last but not least, the main topic today is can El Salvador save its risky Bitcoin gamble? All right, before we get into the articles, just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's been supporting me. Uh, I know if you guys have been watching and listening to the Dave's Daily Crypto Take podcast and YouTube videos, again, thank you so much. If you're in the uh, podcast space, take a look at Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. I'm on all three uh, platforms. And if you're in the YouTube space, please like, share, and subscribe. It helps me out greatly. All right, let's get into it, everyone. Article number one. Bear market outlook, public Bitcoin mining companies and their profitability. As the market inches towards what looks to be a bear market, Bitcoin investors are looking towards other blockchain avenues to weather what is expected to be a long winter. Public Bitcoin miners are one of the avenues that grew prominence through the bull rallies of 2021. The growth of the value of their stocks during this time had drawn investors to them. And as the market slows down, we take a look at which of these public miners are best positioned to weather a crypto winter. Looking at the companies, there are currently a number of companies that dominate the public Bitcoin mining space. Among these are popular ones such as Marathon, Core Scientific, Riot, etc. Now, all of these companies have been badly hit since Bitcoin had begun to decline. However, some have managed to shoulder the decline in interest better than others. This is apparent in the market caps, even after recording more than 50% in losses from their peaks. To determine which of these are best prepared for a bear market, we take a look at their energy prices. Electricity is the bedrock of crypto mining and is often the highest running cost of any miner. So the lower the power cost, the better. Among the top public mining companies, Riot has emerged as the company with the lowest power prices. The company only pays $24 per megawatt hertz, according to recent data, meaning it has the lowest electricity running cost of the top five companies. Well, it also boasts the lowest debt relative to equity, which is currently sitting at a 0.1 debt equity ratio. 
Marathon, however, has a debt to equity ratio of 1.0, meaning it possesses more liquidity compared to Riot. Interestingly, none of these companies possess the largest market cap. The title belongs to Core Scientific with a 1.37 billion market cap. Marathon comes in second place with 1.092 billion cap. And Riot is in the third place with $920 million in market cap. When measured on an overall scale, Riot emerges as the company best suited to weather a bear market. Its lower power cost and healthy balance sheet puts in a unique position to spend less on its activities compared to competitors and so put in a profit. The best Bitcoin miners, well, the mining machines used by Bitcoin miners can often determine their profitability. Cash flow from the leading Bitcoin miners have dropped by more than 50% from its peak, but it still remains as a favorable point. The first is the Ant Miner S19, which had cash flow of more than $50,000 per BTC at the height of the bull rally last year. But as of the end of May, the profitability of this miner has since dropped to $23,000 at the current Bitcoin price of $31,000. The Ant Miner S9 is not faring well either. At current prices, the mining machine is seeing a cash flow of $8,000 per BTC mined. This shows how quickly the mining profitability is dropping, causing concerns regarding the future of this space. If the production cost continues to go up and the cash flow from the miners continues to drop, then a number of Bitcoin mining companies will not make it through the bear market. What will result will be a number of bankruptcies due to increased MNA activity. So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? Bear market outlook, public Bitcoin mining companies and their profitability. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Okay, article number two. Terra collapse, regulators eye, stablecoin, safeguards, and capital rules for banks' crypto holdings. Global regulators plan to complete work by the end of the year on how much capital banks should hold to cover crypto assets on their books. Financial watchdogs are trying to catch up with fast-moving developments in crypto markets whose extreme volatility in recent weeks has caused huge losses for some users. Last June, the Basel Company and Committee on Banking Supervision proposed that banks set aside enough capital to cover losses on any Bitcoin holdings in full. Certain tokenized traditional assets and stablecoins could, however, come under existing capital rules and be treated like bonds, loans, deposits, or commodities. Earlier this month, Terra USD, a stablecoin tied to the US dollar, collapsed. The meltdown cost investors tens of billions of dollars as they pulled out of the market in a panic that have some compared to a bank run. Recent developments have further highlighted the importance of having a global minimum prudential framework to mitigate risks from crypto assets, the Basel Committee said in a statement on Tuesday. Building on the feedback received by external stakeholders, the committee plans to publish another consultation paper over the coming month with a view to finalizing the prudential treatment around the end of this year. Countries which are members of Basel are committed to applying its agreed principles in their own national rules. New safeguards for stablecoins. While stablecoins, which play a pivotal role in crypto markets, are digital tokens pegged to the value of traditional assets, such as the US dollar, and are seen as having a bigger role in payments. The collapse of Terra USD, a popular stablecoin, which was the 10th largest cryptocurrency, caused alarm among central banks and governments. A growing number of them are now signaling their intention to introduce new rules and safeguards to protect cryptocurrency users and the stability of the broader financial system. 
well, regulation looming in the UK. Britain's finance ministry has set out its own plans for amending existing rules to deal with any major stablecoin collapse that may pose a systemic risk. Banks, insurers, and mainstream payment companies must already comply with rules which ensure their deposit accounts, policies, or services can be transferred quickly to another provider if they go bust to help avoid panic and contagion in markets. Since the initial commitment to regulate certain types of stablecoins, events in the crypto asset markets have further highlighted the need for appropriate regulation to help mitigate consumer market integrity and financial stability risks. The failure of a systemic digital settlement asset firm could have a wide range of financial stability as well as consumer protection impacts, the ministry said in a consultation paper. This could be both in terms of continuity of services, critical to the operation of the economy, and access of individuals to their funds or assets. While work or continues on whether bespoke rules were needed for winding down the failed stablecoins, the UK government suggests adapting existing rules to protect consumers from payment firm insolvency. It has proposed amending the Financial Market Infrastructure Special Administration regime to give the Bank of England regulatory oversight over stablecoins issuers to ensure their system are robust and can withstand a crisis. The BOE would also be given powers of direction over administrators appointed to deal with the collapsed stablecoins. The British government is calling for feedback on the proposal by August 2nd. So, there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? Terra Collapse, Regulators, iStablecoin Safeguards, and Capital Rules for Banks Crypto Holdings. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right. Article number three, Analyzing Blocks, Bitcoin Knowledge and Perceptions, Part 1, Income and Inclusion. The new block report, Bitcoin Knowledge and Perceptions, is a tour de force, a massive online survey turned into surprising data. The phenomenally designed publication challenges several assumptions that the public has about Bitcoin. Block's intention with it is to provide a resource for decision makers to better understand people's knowledge and perceptions of Bitcoin across different geographies, genders, and ages. Well, about the methodology, the Block Bitcoin survey was conducted by Wakefield Research among more than 9,500 nationally representative adults aged 18 plus in three regions. 2,375 in the Americas, 4,360 in EMEA, and 2,860 in APAC, including an oversample to ensure 100 Bitcoin owners per region between January 10 and January 28, 2022, using an email invitation and online survey. So what did Block and Wakefield find out about the world's perception of Bitcoin? We're going to cut to the chase and tell you exactly that. Block's report on income. As it turns out, people with below average income more frequently note using Bitcoin as a way to send money and buy goods and services that people with above average incomes, high income people usually turn to Bitcoin as an investment for diversifying investments, inflation hedge, and potential to make money. This is interesting because actually spending Bitcoin and creating circular economies around the world is the network's next frontier. The below average income people are more sophisticated in their Bitcoin use. Just as the game theory indicated, to further prove the point, 
countries that lower per capita GDP and higher shares of income from remittances have greater rates of people citing purchasing goods and services and sending money as good reasons to send Bitcoin. Well, the Bitcoin knowledge and perception on inflation, surprising no one, the share of people who say that protection against inflation is a good reason to buy Bitcoin, we see that it is strongly correlated with inflation rates by country with Argentina leading the pack. In any case, Bitcoin is the hardest money out there. Its inflation is programmed, predictable, and unalterable. It in certain uncertainty of the fiat world, everybody and their grandmother should consider it as an inflation hedge. Well, how about gender? Knowledge is power. As it turns out, Block found out that the gender divide in ownership skews male mostly in Americas and disappears when controlling for levels of knowledge. In fact, the common perceptions of Bitcoin as male dominated are not as stark and disappear completely in many cases. In figures, gender aside, the more you know, the more you like. Interestingly, women also gravitate towards utility-based reasons more than men, even after controlling for differences in income. This is not the case with reasons more associated with making money and investing. Women use Bitcoin more sophisticatedly in figures. How about inclusion? Depending on who you ask, the so-called toxic Bitcoin maximalism is a disease or an essential part of the Bitcoin network. The question in Block's report was whether or not they agreed with the statement that the Bitcoin community is a select group and not inclusive of people like them. And surprisingly, their income, gender, and age didn't affect their response. So what did affect their response? There's a lot of variation from country to country. People in South Africa, Argentina, and China do not feel excluded from the Bitcoin community, whereas people in India, the UK, and Australia do feel excluded. This might be the most interesting statistic so far. It doesn't lead to any easy conclusion, though. What do these two groups of countries have in common among them? The answer is not immediately apparent. Keep your eye on Bitcoinist for a deeper look. And other than that, here is the article. What do you guys think about this? Analyzing Blocks, Bitcoin Knowledge and Perceptions, Part 1, Income and Inclusion. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right. Before we get into the next round of articles, just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's been helping me out and supporting me with this journey. If you guys have any podcast realms, you can catch me on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you're in the YouTube space, please like, share, and subscribe. Please share it out to your friends and family that are interested in unbiased crypto news. All right, let's keep on going. Article number four is father-son duo sentenced for laundering cash with Bitcoin in weed scheme. Both were sentenced to five years in prison for money laundering and conspiracy to manufacture and distribute marijuana. Two points in this article. Pair was convicted of laundering over $100,000 from sales using Bitcoin and the dark web. Unlicensed company manufactured hash oil and other marijuana products. The Department of Justice announced the sentencing of a father and son from Monroe. Washington to five years in prison yesterday after being charged with allegedly operating an illegal marijuana business and using Bitcoin to launder money. The Department of Justice charged the pair after an investigation by the Department of Homeland Security and Drug Enforcement Administration in 2020. Kenneth Warren Rule, 28, was sentenced to five years for allegedly money laundering and conspiring to manufacture and distribute marijuana. His father, Kenneth John Rule, 47, was sentenced to five years in prison for conspiracy to manufacture and distribute marijuana. 
Well, father and son sentenced to prison for money laundering and illegal marijuana business. Perry chose to defy state marijuana licensing scheme and laundered over $100,000 from sales using Bitcoin and the dark web. According to the DOJ, Kenneth Warren Rule agreed to exchange Bitcoin for cash, going so far as to offer advice on using digital currency to hide funds. Rule exchanged $142,000 worth of Bitcoin for cash with agents who were posing as human traffickers who wanted to launder money. At the time of their arrest on March 11, 2020, Bitcoin was trading at $7,950 per coin, according to CoinMarketCap. At the same time, the DOJ says the pair operated an unlicensed product business using cash and cryptocurrency to sell to customers nationwide. The DOJ says that the operation grossed more than $13 million with a net profit of $2.5 million. Not only did this pair produce and distribute marijuana products on the dark web, in violation of the state's regulatory scheme, they also illegally laundered immense amounts of Bitcoin that their enterprise earned, said U.S. Attorney Nick Brown. When law enforcement moved in, there were more than a dozen firearms, some loaded and ready to be used to protect their drug trade. Bitcoin's use in crime continues to be a stick that regulators use to beat back the mainstream adoption of digital currency. Last month, Jeremy Spence, a 25-year-old Rhode Island crypto trader known as Coin Signals on social media, was sentenced to 42 months in prison for earning what a Department of Justice called a Ponzi-like scheme crypto investment. So, other than that, what do you guys think about this article? Father-son duo, sentenced for laundering cash with Bitcoin in weed scheme. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right. Last but not least, the main article today is... Can El Salvador save its risky Bitcoin gamble? Well, here we are. On June 7, 2021, El Salvador President Nayib Bukele announced an audacious plan to make Bitcoin legal tender. Anna Kat Brigida is a reporter who covers Latin America. She lives in Honduras now, but was based in El Salvador when Bukele made his announcement. From there, Brigida says everything went at full speed. With 90 days, El Salvador had to build its own Bitcoin wallet install Bitcoin ATMs, and sell the country's population on the idea of Bitcoin, an idea that had been brought there by expat crypto enthusiasts and embraced by President Bukele. Despite the buildup, and many small businesses are still not able to accept Bitcoin payments, and now the price of Bitcoin has dropped by roughly 37% since September. That means El Salvador's holdings on the cryptocurrency have plummeted. On Friday's episode of What's Next, I spoke with Birgitta about El Salvador's Bitcoin gamble, and here is what is said. When the Salvadoran government made Bitcoin legal tender in September, it used a playbook from a small coastal town called El Zonte, also known as Bitcoin Beach. In El Zonte, people, mostly expats, had been using Bitcoin for a few years. You could still pay in U.S. dollars, which are El Salvador's main currency, but townspeople had their own app and local businesses took Bitcoin. The central government took that blueprint and tried to go national with it. What exactly did they do to make this a national experiment? The government developed an app which is called the Shivo Wallet that can be downloaded by any smartphone. It works like any other crypto wallet. When you're making a purchase, the vendor also has this app, and there's a code to scan with the price. One person, either the vendor or the buyer, creates a code with the price, and the other person scans it. And that's how you make a purchase. It's easy if the technology is working and there's no error message. But sometimes there are some glitches. 
the government tried to get Salvadorans to adopt Bitcoin by offering a $30 incentive if you downloaded the Shivo app. He talked with lots of different Salvadorans about using the app and their Bitcoin experiences for a story. And what did you find? What we found was that the adoption rates are pretty low and that Bukele has not really been able to convince the average Salvadoran that they need to use this on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's not also clear that it's even the point of this whole experiment to be using Bitcoin to buy a pupusa or to buy a coffee. It's not very practical. The technology is a bit wonky still, and as we're now seeing with the crypto crash, the price of Bitcoin can be very volatile. And for many Salvadorans, it just doesn't make that much sense. Well, one argument that the government had made before the Bitcoin law was that it might bring people who are unbanked into the financial system. Well, did that happen? At least anecdotally, some of the barriers to get people banked are issues as well as to people using Bitcoin. For example, people living in very rural areas where they might not have great internet access or people who don't have a smartphone, it's complicated. I don't know that we've seen the data that shows for certain what the unbanked people are now using Bitcoin regularly. Well, the driving force of this El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, he's 40. He's a right-wing populist with authoritarian tendencies and a love of Bitcoin. His Twitter account is full of things like videos of a bunch of bankers and crypto enthusiasts at a meeting in El Salvador screaming about Bitcoin. We would all love to get into the head of Nayib Bukele and know exactly what he's thinking. I will say that just as a reporter in El Salvador, it's a bit challenging to cover the Bukele administration because he's no longer very transparent. When he was mayor of San Salvador, he enjoyed speaking much more to the media, but now he basically only speaks to media that he knows will be very kind to him. But I think one thing that's important aspect to understand El Salvador's economic situation, basically El Salvador needs to pay back its bonds. And it's a bit of a tricky situation because it has high debt that has been growing under Bukele and his predecessors. The IMF and other international organizations, multilateral banks, don't really want to be lending money to El Salvador because of the risk, which has to do partially with the risky decision that Bukele took with the Bitcoin law and partially with some of his other policies and the way that he's been running the country and a lot of the authoritarian tendencies. So there you guys have it. Can El Salvador save its risky Bitcoin gamble? Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right, before we head out, let's take a look at the prices one last time. At number one, we got BTC at $29,817, Ethereum at $1,827, Tether, 99 cents, USD coin, $1, BNB, $302, XRP, 39 cents, Cardano, 56 cents, Binance USD, $1, Solana, $39. And last but not least, Dogecoin at $0.08. Cents. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much for making it this far into the Crypto Take podcast and YouTube video. Again, this is Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Catch me on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And please like, share, and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Other than that, I hope all of you have a great crypto day. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.